Welcome to the DGR Podcast. I'm your host, David Gray. Hello everyone, welcome back. David here. I hope you're doing well. It's just me today. Well, me and Coach Roxy over here in the corner. Um, Kira's gone to Dublin to do some wedding shopping. So it's just the two of us and we're going to do a solo podcast, a bit of a Q&A. My voice is a little bit raspy because I was at a stag party uh, last weekend. Today is Monday. I'm recording this podcast. So, um, so yeah, apologies for that. I won't go into the gory details of the stag as there was some gory details, but, um, it feels like I'm at that age where stags and, and weddings are rolling in and babies as well for people. So, um, so yeah, that's why my voice is a little bit off and my voice just goes in general. If I present for, if I present a workshop or if I, go on the beer or if I just talk too much my voice goes very very quickly always has always probably will so if I was to sell out a world tour like Ed Sheeran or something like that I would I would do one night and then I would have to pack it in um but maybe he makes a couple of million on one night so maybe it would be enough for me um so yeah here's some questions that I'm going to answer today uh just a few of them um, we're going to talk about arm swing. So I got a question on arm swing. I got a question, a couple of businessy type of questions, but they're not like super businessy, more kind of like applies to anything, I think. And uh, one on muscle testing. So we're going to talk about muscle testing a little bit. And uh, there's a few there that I might answer. I might not. Uh, I think I said this before. Don't be too harsh on me if I don't answer a question perfectly well in your point of view, in your eyes. I don't rehearse my answers and talking into a microphone is not as easy as you might think. So, um, so yes, like, especially when you're talking about movement and pain, if you don't cover every context and cover every basis, someone will always have a problem with you. Uh, so yeah, so like, it's not an extensive list of my thoughts on these topics. It's just some things that spring to mind in this moment as I'm talking. I do not rehearse my answers. I just save the questions as I get them. If I get a good question, and then, then I answer them. If you're watching this video, apologies for the coffee stain on my jumper. Uh, there's actually two, but you can, I think you can only see one. And um, yeah, I'm just going to have to deal with that as I am deal with, dealing with it also. I'm also sipping on a nice orange my wadi i just felt like water was too bland for me today i needed something something to park me up a little bit and all i had in the house here was my wadi so that's gonna have to do let me just take one sip very tasty um where are we at we we booked our flights to san fran for our for our workshop with uh the guys at progressive motion pt so i know i I know I uh, mentioned that already, but I didn't give their name an actual shout out. So Joey there organized it for us and um, they're bringing us over and we're going to teach their all their staff a two-day workshop all on lower limb rehab. And um, yeah, two days, I think it's a Sunday and Monday, we're going to do with all of their staff. Take someone from like day one in pain with any lower body issue all the way back up to like high level running or weightlifting or change of direction or whatever they want to do. And um, yeah, the two days is quite nice. I, I think, I think from now on, I'm probably only going to do two day ones because I just kind of made that decision. It's our, it's easier. Not actually, no, that's not definite, but it is easier to do two days. Like you get to spend a full weekend with people or two full days with people and there's more time. You're not rushing things. You can really dig into the details and the details is where people get lost. So like 
digging into the details now i keep things unbelievably simple people don't realize how simple i keep things like when we are doing this exercise these are the five things we want to see happen these are the 10 things that people will do wrong and um watch out for them things do these things and it will be successful and that's like that might sound overly simplistic but it's not I'm, i'm just so clear on how we coach things and how we do things and I feel like in in my workshops and stuff like that, that's what I want to get across to people. I'm not trying to flood people with too much information. I'm trying to help them understand exactly what we're doing, why we're doing it, when we're doing it, when we should progress on from it. And that's what builds a successful rehabilitation with a client. And you can talk about along the way, you can talk about all these things about like how to build buy-in and how to, um, how to be more specific to like, so every rehab, lower limb rehab process looks relatively simple. You need to teach people. This is what I was saying to the guys at the workshop. Rehabilitation is a skill. So you need to teach people certain skills along the way. And pretty much everyone is going to need to learn similar skills. So they're going to need to learn. No, I won't even get into the skills, but they are going to need to learn similar skills how you teach them the skill, those skills might be different in different positions based on one person and another person. So different positions, different loads, different um, intensities or different volumes, different progressions, stuff like that. But you're going to, most rehab processes are going to look similar in terms of the skills you're trying to teach them when you start to think about rehab as skill development. Um, So yeah, so then we, we can just, the weekend allows us to have time to talk about like, okay, Achilles versus patellar tendon versus hamstring versus just generic kind of anterior anterior knee pain versus hip impingement that those type of things we're still going to teach all these people similar skills but obviously we'll have to tailor it differently so that's what the weekend is going to be that's the end of august we are going to fly into new york the week before so i have a weekend free there where i might contact a couple of people in new york to see if they would like to um help us run a work weekend workshop there i think that's the 20th and 21st of august so if you're interested in helping us run that then let me know send me a message we might just keep it free altogether but um or i might just do a clinic clinic day where i see some clients um and kind of rent a space or something like that but uh i think it might be nice to run a workshop in new york we'll we'll see but if you're interested let me know and then we're going to go to florida i think after that so uh i'm i'm pretty pumped i'm incredibly confident with our our workshops to be honest I'm, I'm very very confident with how good they can be i know there is people teaching biomechanics and kind of breathing stuff and all different stuff like that i don't know is there anyone teaching it teaching like rehab take someone and build them from like nothing no i don't mean nothing as in they are nothing but they're really struggling all the way back and like these are the things that you need to do so um i'm i'm i think it's a powerful thing to be able to learn that and it gives you a lot of confidence to work with clients in that way so i don't think anyone is teaching the stuff that we are teaching so um so yeah if you're interested in that let me know in new york and um right here are some of the questions one question was what is the hardest part of podcasting? The hardest part is doing a solo podcast by far, by a country mile, doing a solo podcast is the hardest. The pacing is very hard. Like you're talking to a screen. I am talking to a screen now. So I don't know if I'm talking too fast, if I'm talking too slow, if I'm laboring on a point too much, whatever, because you don't get the feedback from someone else. It's an unnatural thing to talk to yourself 
in that way uh like giving yeah talking to yourself and giving yourself a pep talk along the way is fine but like actually explaining a point to yourself you wouldn't really do it in any other circumstances so that's a little bit of a strange one so solo podcast is is very hard pacing the topics all of that stuff is really really hard i sometimes feel like for my solo podcast if i just had someone with me to like we, if, if we had the list of questions and they could add, just ask me the question and I could answer it and say, like, does that make sense to you? And they would say yes or no. And then I would elaborate or whatever. So that might be a, that might be a good thing. But Kira has already said she wouldn't do that. And I actually, yeah, I don't think I, I don't think that wouldn't work anyway. Probably it would be, it would be someone else. So I sometimes feel like that for a solo podcast might be good um but yeah other hardest parts of the podcast i would say kira books most of the guests which is good we have people doing the editing which is good um just the time i suppose the time to put into it and uh yeah just time time is time is the thing the setup and all that stuff um okay we'll talk about we'll talk about arm swing so someone asked i don't have the names of any of these people now by the way but uh someone asked does a lack of arm swing tell you that someone is not a good mover. So it's a good question. I do look a lot at arm swing, what's happening. And it's a cool thing. Like if you're just driving and people are running or walking on the, on the side of the street, arm swing is a good, is always a, like a very easy thing to look at, but it is not a good mover. It's not something that I would say. Maybe I would have said that in the past, but like what, what is a good mover? It depends on the context. So if you look at a lot of powerlifters or rugby players, particularly like, props and stuff like that although props are getting a lot more mobile these days they have to be um but well maybe they don't have to be some of them do but um we'll just take powerlifters like they're they won't have much arm swing typically but you can't say that they're not a good mover they are actually like a good powerlifter is a great mover for the movement that they are trying to 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 be good at which is going up and down and and just lifting a lot of weight so they are a good mover at that. But if you want to talk about like the gate cycle, like uh, uh, if you had a perfect model of a gate cycle in your mind, then it, we w- I would rather you said good, instead of taking a good mover, just say, okay, someone comparing someone to like the perfect quote unquote gate cycle, what does arm swing tell you? But you can't just, I don't think you can just say like, a lot of arm swing are, are arm swinging is good and arms not swinging is not good because there is some different scenarios here. So scenario one is someone, someone doesn't swing their arms at all. That might be like the powerlifter person. It might look like they do swing their arms, but really they don't. Their arm and their body kind of move at the exact same speed. And they just turn like a fridge. So if you imagine you're on your own trying to move a refrigerator, you have to kind of shimmy it right, shimmy it left, shimmy it right, shimmy it left. There's no reciprocation between if it's a fridge freezer, like one on top of the other. It's not like the freezer is turning separate to the fridge on top. It's not, it's not like the pelvis and the thorax are moving separate to each other. There's not that reciprocation between each other. Everything moves as one chunk. And you will see powerlifters move like that. I'm not saying it's a good thing or it's a bad thing or anything like that. It just is, I'm not going to say it's a fact, but it just is an observation that you can make about a lot of powerlifters. They kind of need and want their bodies to move like that. Okay. So kind of, you won't see much rotation, uh, relative motion at the thorax and the pelvis and stuff like this. You will just see 
two femurs kind of turn out, two legs kind of turn out, arms open up, and then everything, like it's almost like the right leg and the right arm kind of turn together and then the left turn together. So they just kind of swivel like that as they go along. So there's someone who doesn't swing their arms. That will tell you something about the gait cycle, but their gait cycle. But you're not just looking at that alone. You're looking at what is happening at their arms and at the thorax and at the spine and at the pelvis and everything else. Okay, so don't just look at the arms. There is another example of someone who is incredibly stiff. They don't move their spine at all. And actually what they do is they they swing their arms a ton to make up for that. So that's another example of something completely different, but they are still not moving their body, but they are trying to create forward motion um motion in any direction by a, a ton of arm swing so you can see like excessive arm swing to try and create something that they're not getting they're not getting propulsion from elsewhere so there's an example that someone might get too much arm swing relative to what is happening at the rest of the body so where you see a lot of movement in one play in one area of the body you see a lot less in another area whereas in general if you're talking about gait and you're talking about like looking at a good sprinter running you will see obviously the arm the arm match up with what the leg is doing Lee Taft actually talked about that um in acceleration like people will throw their arms back um so you will see you will see bigger movements coupled with at the arms big coupled with bigger movements at the legs and that is like okay that reciprocation is happening but if you see big movements at the arms and not anything else happening then it's almost like the arms are trying to make up for what is not happening at the rest of the body so this isn't like okay more arm swing is better then you have someone who kind of fakes it so there's actually a guy that walks down the street from where we live and I actually haven't seen him for a little while now. I hope he's okay. But um, me and Kira call him elbow guy because he doesn't move his spine. He doesn't, he moves his spine a bit, but he doesn't move his arms. He actually just moves his elbows. So like if you, if you just supinate your hand, bring your, um, bring your hand up and touch your shoulder with your hand. So bend your elbow, like you're doing a bicep curl, supinate your hand, like squeeze your bicep at the top and touch your, el- touch your hand off your shoulder, the front of your shoulder. And with the other hand, that is how he walks. His elbow swings and it, it, it it's almost like his wrist flicks off his shoulder on every single step. And then the other one and his elbow like straightens behind him and then fixed back up again there is no movement almost at the humerus it's just again him trying to create motion coming from somewhere to make up from somewhere else now i'm not saying that like people will say i always say that phrase people will say i don't people will say no i'm just saying like sorry so some people will say okay you are demonizing him or something he might have a neurological issue i'm not saying he has he has he does or doesn't have that i'm just observing his movement okay so before i put up a picture of a woman running on a beach and i was like look at the asymmetry like the 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 patterns in her body that we everyone talks about now this like rightward orientation of our body this right shoulder getting lower and this loading through this adduction through the right the right leg and the compression through the right lateral rib cage i put up a video of that woman from behind no no face or anything like that uh completely unrecognizable to anyone even her best friend wouldn't have been able to see because she was just wearing a big jacket and someone was saying oh like she might have had a she might have had a stroke she might have had this or that and i was just saying it's not 
it's 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 not it's not I'm not demonizing or saying it was a good thing or a bad thing or anything like that. I'm just observing it. Okay. So so this this stuff, I'm not saying a powerlifter's arm swing is good or bad. I'm just observing it. So there's some of the things with the arm swing. In general, you're looking at, you just want to look at, you just want to see tidy movement. So it's not, more isn't actually better. You want to see this tidy movement happening through the body where all of the joints are sharing movement throughout the throughout the body like for example when you start to see a ton of lower back extension in movement you're going to see a lot less hip extension when you see more hip extension you see a lot less lower back extension so like you're going to get movement from somewhere and you're going to you're going to not get movement from somewhere just like hypermobile people they talk all the time i'm hypermobile and then we say like you can say to them or you can look at their feet most of the time their feet are completely locked up so you're going to say like you have 33 joints in each foot there that is 100 not hypermobile your body has found a way to lock up some movement down there maybe because it's it's excuse me maybe because it's getting way too much movement somewhere else okay so just look at the tidiness of people's movement the tidiness of their shapes rather than saying like is is arm swing just means someone is a good mover look at the tidiness of it all right so that's that's arm swing but it is something that you should you should look at chris actually on our member site has a 10 minute arm swing video up there someone uh i think it was dara wrote the other day how good he felt after doing it so arm swing like i do focus on on that Quite, quite, I do look at it quite a bit, but you have to be able to just separate like more isn't better. It's just the tidiness of the movement. Um, question, do you partner with any brands? No, I don't partner with any brands. Not to say that I wouldn't, but I'm just careful with our brand in general. Like I'm very careful with it. I don't I don't want to just partner with a brand and start selling products. And um, in general, you can like, there's only so much, if you have a bank account, you have to try and if the brand like has a bank account of the brand with people that are listening here and stuff like that, I want to try and deposit more than I withdraw. Any which any withdrawal is like asking you to click a link or rate the podcast, which you should please do. Go and rate the podcast and click five stars. But like me asking you to do that is a withdrawal and me doing the podcast and giving out free information is a deposit into the bank account. And when with customers, with clients, you always want to try and deposit as much as you can and always deposit before you withdraw. Okay. So like the more, if I start to partner with brands and then I'm saying, click this link, this brand is great, buy this product. Um, that's all taking mini withdrawals. Even if people don't actually go and click, I'm still withdrawing from the bank account where I'm actually asking them to do something. And then when I ask them to do something that involves our brand, like or go and buy a product or sign up for our member site or something like that, it's it's not as impactful then and people are like no you've been making a lot of withdrawals here from me and i don't think i want to i I don't think i want to do that so no i haven't been partnering with brands we do get asked quite a bit from different brands and stuff like that and i def it's definitely not to say i wouldn't do it uh it's just if, if it was the right brand at the right time and stuff like that um and maybe that just hasn't come along for us yet so um, so yeah, I just think about withdrawals and, and deposits and like doing this podcast is me trying to deposit some 
relational, is that a word, relationship, relational? I'm going to use relational, like equity into into the bank account of all the people that are listening. They're like, okay, I enjoyed that podcast. I learned a couple of things. And now I'm much more likely to buy something from David in the future. I'm honest about that. It's not a... It's not a secret, but that's what we do with all of our relationships. Everyone, you should be making deposits, not not necessarily so you're you're like, oh, I'm just being nice to someone so I can withdraw something in the future. You should just be making deposits anyway. And if you do ever need to withdraw something, then people will be more than happy. All right. So that law of reciprocity is so important. And um, that's how we think about business. That's how we think about Instagram. That's how we think about free content. People ask me all the time about how much free content should I be putting up as much as you can, pretty much the more, the better um, to, to a certain point, but like give value. That's, that's how you're going to get something back from people. Give as much value as you can, the more value you give like every day when I do an Instagram post, I try to make sure I'm giving value to people. Some nugget, something small. I'm not giving everything away. Like a lot of it is like, is, is sometimes I'm a little bit cryptic with things. I do it for a reason. Sometimes I crop the video so that you can only see part of the exercise. And then like everyone is like, what's he doing there? But there's still a little bit of learning from it. And um, and yeah, sometimes so sometimes I do that. But it's like, if you want to learn the rest, join the member site or something like that. But or that's kind of that's the kind of subliminal messaging but i'm just trying to deposit value all of the time if i can every day just a little bit every day and um for the most part it's come, it's come back to us tenfold actually to be honest so um so no i don't partner with brands but it wouldn't write it off if the right brands came along um another question how do you how do you take videos no sorry I just scribbled this down, but someone asked me in the member site. I don't have the name of who it was now. I think it might have been Joe or someone, but they asked about videos. Uh, how do you take videos of clients to track their progress? It's just quite time consuming or something like that. Um, it is time consuming. My my answer, I gave a short answer. I gave a slightly, well, still a short answer here, but um, I have two phones. I have two iPhones. I might even consider getting a third so that like I try and always have space on my phones, even though actually I never have space. I have to delete stuff that wrecks my head. But um, yeah, I always try and have a second, a second phone so that it's not keep, um, so that it's not uh, jamming up the space. That's really important. If you always have a lack of space on your phone, you will never want to video anything because it's one of the most frustrating things if you're trying to video something and it keeps cutting off. So that's number one. Number two, I, Sometimes with people, it's like if I know I'm going to do longer, a longer rehab with them. So like um, an ACL rehab, a shin splints rehab, I know it's going to be a couple of months or whatever like that. I'll just start a playlist on Instagram, on YouTube, excuse me, for that person. So it's like David Rehab. Uh, no, uh, that, that's confusing for people. John Rehab. OK, so John W Rehab. And I'll just upload all their videos towards the end of the week or something there, or even even every time I see them, I'll just upload their three or four videos that I took of them that day. If they're with me in person, I'll upload them there into their own private playlist. No one else can see it. I'm not sharing with, with anyone else. And I just share the link with them. So they don't need to share one link on, on that. But I, then at the end of the rehab process, presuming it goes successful, which it will, 
um, then we'll have like all the, re- all the videos of their progression saved. They can look through it and then maybe they'll give me permission to share that with other people. And then hopefully by the end of this year, like if we, if we're smart, if I was smarter with things, I would have so many videos saved from rehab over the last few years. Like I would have Achilles rehab. I would have patellar tendon rehab. I would have hamstring. I would have calf. I would have hip impingement. I would have like chronic lower back pain. All these videos, all these presentations that honestly put together are worth thousands and thousands and thousands of euros. If people could see not just like a framework. So a lot of people are selling frameworks like principles. Here's the things that you should do, which is great. And that's, I'm really on board with that. But if you can actually see someone applying those principles saying, here is a client that I took in. Here is the first thing I did. Here's the second thing I did. Here's the third thing, the fourth thing, the fifth thing, every single thing. Here's where something went wrong. That didn't work. We tried it. They couldn't really do it. We had to switch to this. If you could have that, if I could have that, um, that's why I do encourage people to save their videos and stuff like that. Um, obviously you get permission from the clients and stuff. So like at the end, at the end of that rehab process, there's a shin splints and Achilles, a calf, a hamstring, a knee, uh, all of this stuff, a groin, like that is so valuable for, that is so valuable for people. We don't hide what I do. Like look at Dinny's ACL rehab online there. You, you might agree with it. You might disagree with some of the stuff we're doing, but at the end of the day, a lot of it is up there. You can go and actually watch and see him progressing every week or every second week. So you see some of the exercises that we're doing. So things are there to be seen. So the video stuff is a bit of a pain in the ass taking it and saving it, but it is important if you're trying to build a business, I think, especially if you're going to go into some of the education side of it with like, like me, like for me to, Three years ago, if if I could see some of my my not my content, but see some presentations on all these different rehabs, like I would have paid a lot of money for me to see these presentations that I have now. I would have paid so much money to see them and um, be able to take ideas and and quite frankly, kind of copy them, but copy them in a way that like yeah, I can use that, I can use that, I can apply that. Oh, I see where that went wrong, blah blah blah. So the videos are important. Have a second phone or something um to to record stuff i would say upload them to youtube or you could upload them to dropbox or you could upload them to an external hard drive or whatever whatever works for you but but taking them is important so that's what i would say about that um i would i would like to have like i would like to have a one of them sony cameras and all this stuff just set up all of the time in the gym and another one in the clinic where I could just click play on it. And then I get someone in the videographer to just take it and cut, clip it up and all that stuff. Like hopefully at some stage we will end up doing that. But at the moment we just aren't, we just don't have enough resources. We don't have enough staff. We don't have the right staff. We don't, I don't really even know where to get them to be honest. So that's, um, that's something that we are just lacking at the moment. And so like I'm willing to spend money on equipment and on all of these resources. Like I'm, if anything will make our business run better, I will spend money on it. So like if getting those cameras, if spending five grand on one of those cameras would make my podcast look better, I would spend money on it. Um, and it would, but the issue is if that means it takes me a lot more time to actually do it and like I have to be the one to figure it out I have to be the one to um sit down and then upload it to something else and blah 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 
at the moment I just can't do that I just don't have the time and that that is a blockage in our business and that is my fault I'm not blaming anyone else that is my fault because I'm too busy doing my rehab stuff I'm too busy doing my my membership stuff too busy trying to create the, the mentorship stuff and I don't have enough time to be like the person that's um hiring people to figure this stuff out for us as well so we're we, we are getting there we're getting there over time but i don't have that time S- similarly i don't have a i don't like i, I am I'm actually very strongly considering trying to hire someone to do sports rehab with us at the moment or part-time at least um so if you're someone listening and you're interested let me know um i think preferably in ireland to be honest because we're getting a lot of inquiries for people to do their ac like will you do my acl rehab will you do my achilles rehab will you do my um kind of groin rehab will you do all all of this stuff drop my pen um i need to pick it up actually i think better with a pen in my hand there we go so will you do like kind of more medium to long-term rehab like i've i have a more serious hamstring tear will you do that and i don't have the time to do that and that's just me being honest i just don't have the time to do that so i could probably do like we're and and alice doesn't necessarily have the time to do that either so we're a little bit stuck there so we could probably do it hiring someone to um to take on some of them longer cases where it's uh okay there is a six week eight week 10 week 12 week six month commitment here you're signing up from the start and you're going to get your not like your two or three exercises that you do every day yeah you'll get some of that stuff but you're going to get your your proper snc type of program and it's going to be updated every three weeks for you after we do a short call or something like that so i need someone that is is able to do that for for a lot of people, it's not that hard to hire someone. Sorry, no, it's always hard to hire someone. It's always hard to get someone good because it's easy to get someone crappy or someone average, but getting someone good for anyone is hard. But for us, it is hard because they need to be able to do things in a certain way, the way that we look at things. It doesn't have to be exact, but like they need to be able to they have to be able to have to have been following the things that we do along the way. So um, so yeah, that, that's another blockage in the business. That's another thing that I need to I need to try and figure out. Um, so yeah, it's it's quite it's quite a tricky situation, and um, we're turning people away, and we're also turning people away in some ways, which is like we're losing business, and they are not getting as good a care as they could have because they're coming to us for a reason because their rehab hasn't worked maybe elsewhere or something like that. So um, so yeah, I think. I think that's a big opportunity for us. And I'd love to be able to help more of those people. Like when someone says their hamstring has torn for the third or fourth time and the rehab just hasn't worked, like, I know I have to write back to them saying, sorry, I can't help you. That's a bit of a shitty thing to do. So, um, so yeah, I would like to, I would like to get, I would like to get that sorted. But anyway, that's me going off on a bit of a spiel there. Okay. And then muscle testing. How important do you think muscle testing is? Um, I don't personally think it's that important. Actually, I know it's not that important because I don't use it and we get really good results with people. So is it is it important? No. Is it necessary? No. Like anything else, can, can you use it? Can you maybe glean some information from it? Yes, you maybe can. But personally, I think it's more for the practitioner to try and look smart and stuff like that than actually informing anything. So the one case like muscle testing can be used is obviously okay someone tore their hamstring or or i think someone tore their hamstring or i think there's a bit of damage to the muscle here and i'm going to test 
their heel pushing against my hand. And like, if they have zero intent there and they have pain there, okay, maybe there's some damage here. So that's where muscle testing is obviously good. Um, and is obviously worth, worthwhile. You can't probably, you definitely can't be exact with the diagnosis or the tissue or anything like that. Um, even though you can bias a certain direction, but it does give you information that actually there's something that maybe I want to protect here. But muscle testing in terms of what you see a lot of systems using muscle testing, testing different directions, testing, okay, pushing this way, pushing that way. Oh, you're weak there. You're strong here. That must be your, that must be your supraspinatus. That must be your, the, the clavicular fibers of blah, 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 blah. I think that's an absolute load of crap. And I think it's, it's, if you think about it, like, okay, someone has pain in their shoulder. Okay. I test, I test a, a muscle test in a certain direction. And, um, some, some physios or some systems then like they'll rub your eyebrow. They'll say, okay, that's related to your contralateral psoas. I'm going to release quote unquote your psoas. And now I'm going to retest and, oh, yeah, actually your shoulder's a little better, but it's not quite there yet. Okay. Now I'm going to go after the ipsilateral glute and I'm going to do a muscle activation technique on this glute. And okay. Now you're actually strong and okay. Look, you're fixed. I think that's absolute crap. I know it's crap because I've been in rooms where I've had that done to me and human beings are incapable of, of separating, of not being biased. As simple as that. So like if I have a theory about something, so if I feel like, okay, your shoulder weakness is related to your ipsilateral glute and I do a muscle activation for technique for your glute and suddenly your shoulder feels better. Like I cannot test in the same way uh, before and after. I cannot do that. I can't muscle test someone's shoulder in the same way. The bias is there. I've been in rooms where 50 people have done muscle tests on me and half of them said you're weak and half of them said you're strong in the first test. And then no matter what happened, like no matter what release or technique they tried to do, they improved it in the second test because they're going to test in a way that makes them feel like they got it right. They don't want to be wrong. And that's like in a room where we're trying to be open about things. In behind closed doors in a clinic, you're not going to keep testing someone and a client is on the table and you're not going to keep saying, oh, no, I didn't get that one right. I didn't get that one right. And actually, at no stage did your shoulder strength, quote unquote, ever improve. No, people are always going to say, oh, yeah, that feels a bit better. That's a bit better because you're not testing. You're not pushing them as strong or more likely and slash or there's another way that can go wrong which is much more likely as well is that even if you're trying to be as honest as you can people get better at the things they do if i muscle test you in the same way 10 times throughout a session you are going to get better at the test we know what we know about output is if we train it we improve it so if we are doing some kind of muscle test and we keep training that muscle test people are learning the test they are going to get better at the test. So I test someone at the start of the session. I do some kind of a rub of a tissue. I retest them. I rub another tissue. I retest them. I, I rub another tissue. I retest them. I do a muscle activation or technique, whatever that is. I retest them. Of course, they're going to get better at the test every time. They're getting some kind of an isometric or a concentric or an eccentric contraction through 
all the muscles around that area and they are learning that the, the nervous system is learning what you actually wanted to do here and it's getting better at it. It's learning so quickly. So it's probably that we are doing the test more that we're actually improving what, uh, what the, te- the result of the test. That's what it is. In that case, that might not be a bad thing because they're actually getting some output. They're actually getting some stimulus into that area. It's not because you release the contralateral psoas. It's because you just keep actually, basically, you're just training the, the area that's sore in the first place. So that's why. And in that case, if you know that this area is inhibited or a little bit sore, then why not just go straight and give them an exercise for it instead? Give them an exercise that trains that area rather than pretending it's the release of some other tissue that's improving the muscle test. So that's, that's, um, that's what I think about muscle testing. I think it's for the ego of the practitioner and it's actually not telling you very, it's telling you very little at all. Now, if someone has like it, it can tell you about strength. Like if someone has torn, like my brother's hamstring, for instance, he had um he had an ACL tear on that side on his on his knee, and um he's had he had a, a graft on that hamstring, and that just I, I can test that. That always tests weaker than the other one. No matter how much hamstring work he does, it always seems to test weaker when I test it. Like so, there there is things that you can glean from it, and. It's, it's, so I'm not saying like it's useless. I'm just, I'm just saying it's not, it's not doing what people think it's doing a lot of the time. Now I could equally just have put him into an exercise where I'm like, okay, do a supine hamstring curl on a machine and let's see how heavy you can go on the right side versus the left side. It would also test weaker. So that, but that's actually giving him a stimulus to improve rather than just using a muscle test and then rubbing his eyebrow and then saying, Oh yeah, it tests a bit stronger now. Of course it tests stronger. You just did the test already. And now you're repeating the test and it should test stronger because you've just learned something about yourself. So muscle testing. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just not so sure about it. To be honest, I think people are just learning from the test and, um, and that's, that's about it. So I think that's going to be. If for the podcast, there is a few other questions there, but I'm not, I'll save them. There is some good questions there, but I'll save them for next time. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I think that was episode 25. So thank you very much for, for all the listens and shares and all that so, stuff so far. I appreciate them. I have been on other people's podcasts recently and, um, sorry, not like I've listened to other people's podcasts and now I always on Spotify, I look at how many five stars they have. And there's some really good podcasts that have never gotten a single rating. And we have like 88 ratings just on Spotify alone. All I think they're all five stars. So thank you very much for that. Um, it actually does help the, the podcast a lot. So please just, even as you're listening, just go and click and just click five stars. It will literally take three seconds of your time. That would be very helpful. If I get, I get, we get like 500 to a thousand listens on these solo podcasts and we have 88 reviews. So if you're one of the 400 people or 500 or 600 people who haven't clicked five stars, go and do that for me now. And, um, but apart from that, just thanks very much for listening. Honestly, I appreciate it. Um, I didn't know if we were going to make it this far. Hopefully we've. Hopefully you've picked up a little val- little bit of value along the way. Hopefully me or some of my guests or me and or some of my guests have made you smile along the way. That would be, that would be cool for me to think that you're walking down the street and there's a little smile on your face because you learned something or I said something stupid or something like that. So, um, so yeah, it means the world to me for, for tuning in and, and, uh, for you tuning in and having a listen. 
And then just a very, very quickly, DGR Interactive, our member site, um, make sure you go and sign up there. This week we have, so last week we had Matt McInnes-Watson plus Plyos. He did his presentation on returning, um, returning people to plyometrics and in, in, in the rehab process. And, uh, this week is just me. I'm going to do a video today. Actually, I need to upload that today on, uh, asymmetries, pelvis, why the pelvis is kind of pushed more towards a right rotation or a right orientation. Danielle asked that question. So I'll kind of break it down and I'll, I'll break down what that means in terms of some tissues that might get kind of short and tight. If you want to use old school words and why the right hip maybe tends to get more impinged and the right groin, more right groin issues and stuff like that. Um, more supination to the right foot. So we'll, we'll talk about that. And then on Friday, what did I do? Oh crap, I can't remember. What did I put up on Friday? What was I going to put up on Friday? Um, oh, I can't remember. Something else really good. Hang on, let me check. Let me check. Don't go anywhere because I do want to actually say this because I'm actually recording on my phone beside me now. Uh, I would usually check on my phone what I was going to put up. But now I'm trying to do this funny thing where you record from the side of your face on your phone so you can use a clip of that. Oh, yeah, Friday, David talks about yielding versus stiff plyometrics and gives some examples of each. So David W asked that question. I'm going to answer that for him. So yielding versus stiff, give you a couple of examples of each. And um, we've been talking about that a lot recently. And people have gotten a lot of value out of that type of stuff. So that's what I'm going to talk about. So today, asymmetries at the pelvis and what that can kind of do to us um what that might mean and then friday yielding versus stiff plyometrics so go to dgr interactive and sign up there you basically like you literally can't lose if you watch like three videos you've just paid for the 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 year of the membership so um so yeah try and learn you should always try and learn something new if it takes like five or ten minutes every week learn something new imagine at the end of the year how much knowledge you've accumulated and how that could what that could mean for you your clients and your business as well so um yeah that's me signing off i hope you enjoyed the episode and i will talk to you guys soon